0: Thanks for listening to the Covenant Church Podcast. We hope this message is encouraging for you, that it's inspiring in your life, and that it helps you take your next steps with Jesus. Now let's check it out. We are starting a a new series. I I would say it's a unique kind of teaching series this weekend. Uh, I want it to be both a teaching series and also an inspirational series series, and it has a unique name. We're calling it Words I Skip Over. Now, I know none of you have ever skipped over any words, right? Uh, That's not true, is it? I mean, that's something that everybody has done. Either you come to a word that you think you know, and so you just sort of skip by it, and you miss the depth of meaning or you're not sure what it means, and so you just decide I'll figure it out later, and you skip it. Maybe I can't pronounce it, it's in a different language. And there are a lot of those words associated with our faith, and those are a lot of those words in the scripture. And so, in this series, I'm going to uh, bring out a few of those lost terms or skipped over terms and hopefully shed some special light on them so today we're going to start with our first word and it is a word that appears 6823 times in the old testament when you read the hebrew text it is there and it's just four letters you'd is the first one, he, vav, he. Usually written, Y-H-W-H. And you might say, well, what kind of word is that? It doesn't have any vowels in it. Well, it's on purpose. It's written in the Hebrew language. Usually it doesn't put a vowel there, but there's a reason that this word is written the way it is. It is the... It is the most commonly used word in the Old Testament for God. And uh, even though it's a it's sort of a strange name, it is meant to be that way. It's meant to be a word that is totally unpronounceable. So, if you say, I don't know how to pronounce that, well, then you're in good company, Right? You're not supposed to be able to pronounce it. Now, sometimes people add vowels to these consonants so that they will be able to pronounce it. And I'll talk about that later. But basically, it is a totally unpronounceable word for God. It first appears in the creation story. Genesis chapter 2 says, And the Lord God created the heavens and the earth. That's the first time you see Y-H-W-H. But this word really gets fleshed out most fully in a story that a lot of us are familiar with in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses encounters God speaking to him in a burning bush. Now, this is one of the foundational stories, most significant narratives in all of the Bible, this is where God calls Moses to a special leadership task. And it sets in motion the deliverance of God's people from slavery in Egypt. And if you're familiar with it, you know that Moses has more than a few excuses why he can't accept this call. And the first excuse, or one of the excuses, I would say, is that he is not sure that if he goes and speaks, goes to Egypt to speak to Pharaoh, that even his own people will recognize his authority. And so, this, this is what it says in Exodus 3.13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Now this is a legit question. This is a great question. He's saying, hey, I don't think it's enough for me just to go and say, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. He said, look, these people have been in slavery for 400 years. They know the names of lots of gods. They've been in Egypt for a long time. All of them were born there. The Egyptians themselves have 10 primary gods They know lots of names of gods. I mean, how are you going to distinguish yourself from all these other gods? And God's answer to that question is awesome. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation To generation so he says just tell them I am sent you just just tell them that's my that's my calling card I am who I am now if you look in your Bibles and if you will when you go home you'll look at Exodus chapter 3 look look there's a footnote beside that word Y-H-W-H, which is in your English, you know, I am who I am. And it says that that word actually means, I will be what I will be. Now, that's a funky name, isn't it? What is the name of, what is God's name? He doesn't tell him what his name is. He just says, I am who I am. So just tell them, I am has sent you, and that will be enough. Now, that is the four-letter word, Y-H-W-H. Now, just stop right there and consider what this means, what God's explanation or description of Himself means for us. Who is this God? Well, it says lots, doesn't it? It says God is eternal. He has no beginning. He wasn't created. And He has no end, which means he is, there's never going to be a time when He is not. It says He is self-sufficient, which means His existence is, does not depend on anyone else. Did you read it? It says, He just says, I am. He simply is. And it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. He is. It says he is all powerful. He is God. And he says, I will do. I will be. I will act any way I please. And I can do anything. Because my power Is limitless. I'm God. He says, it says, He is unchanging, which means He has always been and He will always be, and He's not gonna change. He has always been worthy of honor and praise, and He will always be worthy of honor and praise, and today He is worthy of honor and praise. It also says that He is unique. There, there's there's no one like him. When the scripture says, who is like the Lord? It's self-evident, isn't it? Nobody. Who is like the Lord? There is no one else. If anyone else says that they are God, they are an imposter. And the last thing it says is that he is personal. He is he actually, the God who says, I am, actually comes and speaks to people like us. He appears to men like Moses, and to Abraham, and to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to people like us every single day, and speaks and calls us into relationship with him. I mean, this is, he says, this is how you will know me, not just today, but from generation to generation. You will know me by those four letters, it is a description of who I am. I am who I am. It's a totally inadequate description of an almighty God who was, who is, and who is to come. Now, the truth is, no one ever called God by that name. No one has ever said, well, his name is Y-H-W-H. No one has ever called him that. The the Jewish people were so um, serious about the third commandment. The third commandment is, you will not take the Lord's name and use it in vain, that they never dared try to come up with a pronunciation for this unpronounceable word. In fact, what they did instead is, um, when, they, when they came to that word and they were reading the Scripture out loud, they just said Hashem, which is the name, which everybody knew was the name. Uh, we will praise the name, the the name of our God. It was so sacred. He he is. <laughs> he he always has been. He always will be. Uh, to make sure they didn't take his name in vain, a lot of translators, when they were when they were copying the text, they began to copy in another word so that they didn't try to mispronounce this word. Y-H-W-H. They, they put in the word Adonai, which means Lord. And so, Adonai was a word that they used for I am who I am. He is the Lord. And uh, later, uh, uh, Christian translators would actually go and they would write in a word using the consonants of this YHWH and the vowels of I to make a word. And, and they would write Yahweh, sometimes shortened to Yahweh. Uh, sometimes these days a lot of people say that God's name is Yahweh, which, by the way, is not correct because it's a totally made-up word. What is God's name? It is unpronounceable in the Hebrew language. And so, interestingly, in your English Bible, when you come to the word that is for God, it doesn't say Adonai. Actually, that word, YHWH, in your text, it'll say, Lord with a capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. So, anytime you're reading your Bible and you come to Lord, and it seems to be, that seems to be a bigger Lord, (laughs) right? It is. That is the Word for God. So, think about this text. This is uh, Psalm 142. It says, Then I pray to you, O Lord, capital letters, I say, You are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. What does that mean when you, when the psalmist says that? Well, it means today I am praying to the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come, and I know that He can help me, and so I'm crying out to Him. His love for me never changes. He never stops calling my name. He never stops caring for me. And He's the only one like Him. He is the Lord of heaven and of earth. He is the one to whom every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. He is the only one worthy of worship, and I cry out to Him. That's what it means every time you see, Lord, He is the Lord. Now, let me continue. When the the Old Testament, written in Hebrew and Aramaic, was translated into the more modern uh, language of its day around the time of Jesus, which was Greek, it was translated and that book is called the Septuagint. It is a a translation of the Old Testament into the Greek language. The word for Adonai was the Greek word Kyrios, which means Lord. And so, every time someone would read it in Greek, they would read the word Kyrios. And Kyrios means what Adonai meant, and Adonai meant, you know what? with four letters. And so, when the New Testament writers write and quote the Old Testament, they use the word Kyrios when they are thinking about, I am who I am. He is Lord. Now this is important because when you come to the New Testament, what you have is a complete group of witnesses to who Jesus is. First they say, Jesus has come to save us from our sins. He is the Savior. He is the rescuer. He is the only one who is able to offer His one and only sinless life for the sins of human beings. So, He is our Savior. But they also go on to say another thing, He is more than Savior. They say, He is Kyrios. He is Kyrios. He is Lord of our lives. He is the Lord. And when you use the word Lord, you know what you're using. You're saying, Jesus is our God. Now, look what it says just some of the witnesses of the New Testament. It says, Philip found Nathanael and told him, I have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. And And then he goes on to say, in his name, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. John chapter 20, Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here. This is after the resurrection. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. You are not not just any person. You are the Lord and God of my life. And then Paul writes it this way Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Kyrios, He is Lord. Now, you understand why this is such good news? I mean, Jesus is not just some good teacher. Jesus is not just one of many gods. He is not just one of many ways to God. He is God. He is the one who appeared to Moses at the burning bush. He is the one who is at creation. He is the one who now sits on the throne and is worthy of our honor and our praise. Now listen, do you understand why early Christians were willing to die rather than deny the statement, which is the mantra of not just then, but of every Christian in every generation, this is our statement as Christian people. Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. So you understand when early Christians were told you must bow your knee to Caesar and this is what you must say. Caesar is Lord. And they go, you got to be kidding me. He is eternal he is all-powerful, he is unique, He, he can do anything, he is, no way. There's only one who gets that title. There's only one who is truly Lord and Master over all, and his name is Jesus which is why if you're a Christian you recognize that God is that Jesus is not one of many it's why we're offended when we when someone says hey let's just let Jesus be among all the others because all the other religions are the same are you kidding me This is Jesus. He is Lord. He is the one spoken about in the Old Testament from the beginning to the New Testament at the end. He is the one who loved the world so much that he came and gave himself for us. He is the one who triumphed over death. There is no one like him. There will never be anyone like him. He is Lord. Now, listen, this is why when the Sanhedrin, the, the Jewish leaders told Peter and John and the disciples, stop talking about Jesus. Stop mentioning that name. Interesting. They said, do not refer to him as the name. Okay? He's not the name. Stop talking about him. This is what they said. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There's only one Lord, and his name is Jesus. Now, that means this for people like us, that there is no sin that cannot be forgiven, There is nothing that you have ever done or that you could ever do that the God of the universe, whose name is Jesus, cannot forgive by his death and resurrection, by the pouring out of his blood. There is nothing he cannot do because he is who he is. He is the one who says, I will be what I will be and I can do anything, I can forgive any sin. It also means that when you pray, that you gotta pray differently. You can't say, Lord, if you can do something for me. He is Lord, he is the one who we are crying out to because he's the only one that could possibly hear our prayers. He is the one who speaks and calls men and women to himself Every single day, He is calling us to task. He is calling us to come into relationship with Him. And when He calls, we come because He is Lord and there is no one who is like Him. No one who is like Him. And so, our job from now until we have have no breath left is to proclaim one thing, is to proclaim one thing. We know from reading the Bible from the Old Testament to the New, we know God's name. We know His name. And we know what He is like. Every generation shall know what God is like. I am who I am. And who is that? Who is the Lord? It is none other than Jesus. For service times or to find out how to take your next step with Jesus or just to learn more about how you can get involved, head over to covenant.cc or follow us on social media. We hope to see you soon.